0: This, this is
1: the Our Auto Expert podcast.
0: Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles.
1: know that you are sitting on the edge of your seat highly excited for this week's show uh jen has spent the whole week packing everything in fact we had to uh, take out some of the packing material just to get more stuff into the show because it's full full of good stuff uh, there's tons of really good stuff on today's show. Uh, I just, I just would like to just remind you that we are locally created, nationally celebrated, from the northwest to the southeast, with uh, America's car radio show. If it has a throttle, of course, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. Uh, it is we we're past the turkey, the first batch of turkey, because there's a second batch of turkey at Christmas. Ham. Oh, you see, no I turkey. Do the Christmas got it. Oh uh, no, turkey. Ham. Ha- ham's Easter. Ham. You got it all wrong. Uh, <laughs> ham's Easter. So, uh, turkey. you know what? I noticed in America there is a tradition. We're getting way off cars now. There's a tradition in America to go to Chinese on Christmas Eve.
2: That's because of that movie, The Christmas, *Christmas Story*.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Did you, uh, you ever see it?
1: No, yeah, yeah. It's probably been on. I think I slept through most of it. <laughs> uh, I'm useless. Uh, Let's talk about cars, because we're (laughs) through the first batch of turkey for the second batch of turkey coming up on Christmas Day, and uh, this is the best time of year to buy cars. Labor Day and the end of the year. Why? Why, you ask me?
2: Oh, well, that's simple. Why? It's because they do the changeover. from. They're Uh, trying to get uh, rid of the 19s and bringing in the new 2020s.
1: Yeah, all the sexy 2020s are arriving, but you know the other reason? Why? Do you like to show your boss you're a really good employee?
2: Uh, okay. You <laughs> roll your eyes. I know. What, uh, do you want something, Nick? No. <laughs> Which one do you want?
1: All these, uh, all these companies like to show their employees, uh, employers, that they're doing really well. And they like to have great end-of-year sales figures. So shareholders are happy. Their bosses are happy. Everyone sees a nice black balance sheet. So they are willing to do deals, wheel and deal on vehicles towards the end. Of year. I'm going to empower you in today's show. Empower you. Uh-oh. To be able to go out there with the knowledge that you need to buy a new car, the longer you leave it. I think most sales end around January 3rd or 4th around there. The longer mm-hmm. you leave it, the more likely you are to get a better deal. And you could sort out the car you want. You could spec it out. You can do all the test driving between now and the end of the year. You can go to someone like Auto Navigator from Capital One and get pre- pre-qualified for financing. Uh, you can get all that done. Auto Navigator is a great website, by the way, because you not only can go there, it's a Capital One slash Cars, or uh, just search Auto Navigator. So you can pre-qualify for financing. Here's the cool thing about it is, it will give you the real amount that you're going to be financed for, not like, qualified buyers will get 7.9%. No, (laughs) it'll show you what you, Truck Girl Jen, could get for financing of a new truck, plus it will actually not do a hard pull on your credit. Oh, that's good. Which means that there's a soft pull. On your, is, there's something else. If, if you have an iPhone. No. Uh, well, you can use the app. But if you have an <laughs> iPhone and you download Auto Navigator app. Yes. You can take a picture of a car. It will find that car for sale near you. Even if it's a 1970, uh, t- sorry, ni- 2017 uh, Buick Regal. It'll find it, Mm -hmm. and it'll. The older the car gets, of course, it'll sketchy, more sketchy it gets. But it looks at data points of where the you know hood stops and all this sort of thing, and then matches what it finds online to other pictures. That's interesting. Um, It doesn't do a hard pull on your credit. So when you walk into that dealer to buy a new car at the end of the year, you are empowered. You are strong. Plus, we're going to tell you throughout today's show about some of the cool deals that you can get at the end of the year.
2: No, the other thing you didn't mention is people have to check their insurance before they go so they don't get in trouble. They don't later. have to. Well, they should. <laughs> they they don't should. not have to do anything. This no, is America, baby. Okay, but anyway. Where girls
1: can drive trucks.
2: Yeah, but it's, you know, a four by four is more expensive. Yep. You know, so you I, should I, Well, no- well, 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 well.
1: Not always. A Jeep Renegade is not going to be more expensive than a BMW 7 Series. I'm just, just saying.
2: I'm just saying, if you're looking at a truck, you're saying truck. A right. two-by you know, two versus a four-by-four yeah. four is going to be Why more would, expensive well, than insurance. In
1: most of the places that our listeners are located, which is north of the Mason-Dixon line, Chicago, Seattle, mm-hmm. Portland, you probably want a four-by-four, four, let's be honest.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Be honest.
1: We're going to empower you today. I could tell you right now, you can get... Uh, Up to 5,300 off a new Jeep Compass. I'm going to show you how.
2: Those are beautiful. You like the Jeep Compass? Yeah, that's the one where I got on three wheels.
1: Uh, (laughs) Are you meant to get on three wheels? Just ask that question. Yeah. Yeah, okay.
2: Mark took me out. All right, just making sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. Never never quite know with you, Jen. Uh, What's on today's show? Boy, is it a packed show for you today. Uh, We're going to get to talk to uh, Tyler McBride with Toyota. We talk about the SEMA and the Wasabi Supra, which was my favorite. They had 12 Supras on the floor. Uh, Of course, we already started this discussion. Now is the best time to buy and ride. Uh, We'll talk about some of the great deal offers between now and the end of the year. Spoiler alert, Mike Quiddell is going to be joining us regarding the Ford vs. Ferrari movie. Uh, he saved it until Thanksgiving to go watch it with his son. Uh, now he's going to tell us what he thought. John Vincent joining us from U.S. News and World Report to talk about uh, brand awards. Who's getting some big thumbs up? Dr. Druck tells us tips on dealing with an aged parent. It's time to take away their keys. Uh, he sent me his book. Yes. Uh, it's on my kitchen table. You I know. know. So I read it. I saw it. I'm still scared of trying to explain to my parents, well, one of my parents, that driving may be not the best thing for them now.
2: So on my way in, yeah. I was super excited actually to listen to what he has to say on this topic. Yeah. But on my way in, I saw this little old man. I, he's got to be in his 80s. Old man? Old man. Yes. Yes. And he was on the cell phone driving and you could barely see over the dash. And I was just like, oh, boy, I can't wait for today's topic.
1: well, he actually wrote a book called Raising an Aging Parent, and uh, he's going to explain to us, you know, you've got to do it nicely because my grandmother, who has since crossed the Rainbow Bridge, but my grandmother, uh, I went down to, I flew to England several times, flew to Devon to discuss with her maybe that she should not be living on her own at 96 years old. Good luck with that. (laughs) told me to get packing and get out of our house. So there's an art. There's a technique to uh, doing that. And, of course, we'll talk about some vehicles that we've had in our driveway. Uh, LC500 from Lexus. That's what I've been driving this week. Plus, BMW Z4, the m version of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will tell you, I like that more. It's about uh, $40,000 less. It's
2: a sexy vehicle. It
1: is. Mm. And when you put me in it, it's like sexy with peppermint sprinkles on the top.
2: All that's coming up in today's show, (laughs) Our Auto
1: Expert. Followers on the web at OurAutoExpert.com. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Welcome back to the show. One of the uh, things I have enjoyed this fall and enjoy is uh, these sort of cool alterations that you can make to vehicles. The, I guess getting them ready for uh, your personalization. And I was at SEMA this year when we got an opportunity to see what Toyota had done to the Supras. Uh, They had 12 of them, I think, on the stand. Uh, And they were everything from mild to wild. I got to see some of the ones that uh, had an awful lot done and some of the ones that had some... Body kits, um, they got over 500 horsepower, lots of deliciousness. Uh, you know how much I want a Supra, and I keep getting smacked down, so um, I'm not allowed but to. Why
2: th- are you getting smacked down? Because I have too many cars in the driveway.
1: <sighs> I know. It's a sigh. But I, I really tried hard. I tried so hard to get one and was just told no. So
2: do you want me to like put on yes, some please. charm for you? Please. Okay, well, you have a big enough driveway for crying out loud. Right. <laughs> you could <know? laughs> fit, fit at least 12 to 15 vehicles.
1: Um, by the way, Jen, what was the first year of the Toyota dealership in the United States?
2: 57.
1: Ooh, look at you, Brainiac. I Where know. was it?
2: Hollywood! Yeah, there you go. Uh, Tyler McBride is joining
1: us on the phone from uh, from Toyota to talk about the SEMA vehicles. Uh, Tyler, first of all, um, it must have taken a lot of teams a lot of time to get these Supras ready for the show.
3: Yes, absolutely. And hey, Jen, great job on knowing that Toyota history about 57 and starting Hollywood. Well done.
2: Thank you. Well, my question is: is, why did they open it up on Halloween?
3: that's a great question
2: <laughs> <laughs> i've never gotten the answer so if you can find that for me let me know <laughs>
3: well you I know what know i'll that. do some digging and, and i'll come back with that answer but i mean yeah, you're awesome. absolutely right there is there's is a ton of work that goes into SEMA every year um you know from not just what what cars we're going to feature but what the display looks like you know what messaging are we're going to have what groups are involved et cetera, et cetera. it's uh it's quite the amount of cooks in the kitchen but in a good way you know as you can see you know what we showed at SEMA um, last month was a result of all those uh all that collaboration. Uh,
1: I will tell you too I uh for the Fox Sports Show I always get to sit down with Ed Lucas and talk to him and he of course put his own super together with Rutledge Wood they sort of had a, a friendly bit of competition going on.
3: Oh absolutely yeah so uh Ed had his uh what will we call the Heritage Edition, G R Super Heritage Edition, and then Rutledge had his G R Super Hyper Boost edition. Ooh. And they um they leveraged their their social media Networks to uh, really get some online voting going on, and and Ed squeaked out a victory with the help. of ah. you, uh,
1: <laughs> you see, I would have gone for Rutledge first of all because you know he's obviously a TV personality. He's a NASCAR guy. He's he's on a million and one different shows all the time. Whereas Ed's much more of a, he's the, I mean, he's a car enthusiast, of course. We get to sit down every year and talk about cars together, but he's also an executive and he's in charge of marketing at Toyota. So he doesn't, he's not really a face of the brand as much as Rutledge is a is a well known face. So did, was there some t- Toyota shenanigans in there using their their uh, social media to try and help uh, Ed a little bit?
3: Yeah, so I know. Uh, well, we we gave so on the Toyota side, we gave equal, equal uh, social presence to Rut as well as Ed, but Ed did leverage like Jamie Little and a few other friends to really uh, boost his score. His his was a great car, you know. He had the Mark IV edition, uh, thing on the back. Yeah, and Ooh. and so, but I'll, I'll mention when I was uh, on the way to the airport after the press conference, Ed was with me, so. I, uh, you know, you knew what I was going to vote there. You know, it wasn't exactly uh, a, a time to um, really weigh either side. It had to be Ed for me. But but it was. I mean, as the voting showed, it was very close, extremely close, because they were two very awesome, fantastic supers we had on display.
2: Now, right. Nick, which one was your
1: favorite? Actually, neither of the two. I like, <laughs> uh, uh, I like the wasabi. <laughs> the wasabi was my uh, favorite. the wasabi concept, yeah. yeah.
2: Nick has a thing about green cars. I do? Uh-huh. Okay. Do you remember the, come on, I want to lick your lime? Oh, Kona? yeah, yeah. And, yeah, he has a thing about green.
1: I don't know what it is. I'm attracted to to green cars for some
3: reason. The, so, Nick, do you think we should make the wasabi color... Production level for all Supras?
1: Well, here's the deal. That's an interesting question because I'm impressed with three out of the four colors that you came out in the last few years with, mostly for the TRD versions, but the concrete, the sand... Uh, the Army Green wasn't such a fan of the really bright blue. Oh,
2: I was. That's is my
1: it, favorite. Is it? Yes. But those colors, you guys, whoever works in the Toyota Color Lab, they need to get a raise, take the rest of the year off. <laughs> they really know what they're doing. The Swabi Green, I'm sure that was the concept team, but that vehicle... I don't know if I want to wake up, to be honest, Tyler, seeing it in my driveway every day. But to be honest, uh, when I saw it on the floor, it was like, hello, I found my new friend. <laughs> um, it, it was pretty impressive. What else did that vehicle have on it apart from a very bright green color?
3: Well, yeah, it worked with, so um, you made no choice in Tomo, Yeah. His, his team over at 5-Axis Bodywork really um, worked on a bunch of things on there with the forged aluminum wheels. Yeah. Um, the Michelin Pilot Sport 45 tires were on there as well. Um, we had a little, actually, issue with the wing on, on the, the night before, and Troy stepped in and, and made it look beautiful and had to lose her favorite car. Um, Brembo BM brake calibers on there um, with, uh, let's see, slotted two piece brake rotors as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fun not only a good-looking car, but it can be fun on the track. Too.
1: I like the fact, you know what sold me on that vehicle was the F-35 fighter jet-inspired tailpipes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you look at those tailpipes. They do look like something that should be on a jet, and I think uh, that you should have those. Although I don't want to use, I think they went in the same place as the brake light normally goes right at the back. Yeah, we, we made a, a few adjustments there. Make that work. Um, I didn't want to see that brake light go because that that brake light was uh, is pretty in, in I don't know it's different it's uh, it's pro, uh, let me work it out One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. it's like uh, sixteen LEDs or something the brake light at the back of the Supra and uh, you have obviously, obviously had to take it out to put the tailpipes in what, Jen, not you don't like the tailpipes what I was just
2: saying I I like the heritage, the heritage I, I just saw all the pictures yeah.
1: Uh, it, they did do a good job on the Heritage Edition. The, tr- the question is now, Tyler, obviously all these great supers that were on the floor of the SEMA show, how much of this is going to become reality? Because this is a car which is in its first year. It has the opportunity to uh, to be super, super um, collector's item. So what are yeah. you going to take from SEMA and put onto the vehicle?
3: That's a good question. Well, easy answer. is Some things will make it to production-level vehicles. The answer to, to what that is, is still to be defined but we had our product specialist out there on the floor for the whole run of show and uh, they were capturing feedback from attendees in terms of what they liked what they thought an accessory would cost in terms of an additional price to a car so all that information is being taken in right now and, and uh, you don't be surprised if you see some of these aspects in uh, future Supras here in the in, in the uh, next few years.
1: I don't know if you know this, but I had a tragedy with a Supra. Um, oh, no. It, nothing, <laughs> nothing bad happened to the car, but when I was on the launch of the Supra in Virginia, um, I asked very nicely if we could take it at the back of the building and do a burnout. I was told, yeah, I could take the film crew, but don't oh. let people know that you're doing it because <laughs> you didn't want everybody to do it. So I snuck mm-hmm. it around the back, and we did a burnout, and we, we filmed it and uh, we, I had one of the camera guys film it on my, camera, on my phone, and then I posted it to uh, Instagram, and within four hours, about 80 different outlets had stolen it, and downloaded it because mm-hmm. I didn't watermark it and uploaded it to their accounts, and they were all getting between eighty and five hundred thousand
2: views. Crazy.
1: Yeah, so I missed out by watermarking it, but my burn. If you go look out for burnouts of the Supra, the red one that's done in Virginia, red. that's me, and uh, I, and I have pictures of me inside to prove it doing <laughs> it. So I, I believe I believe you, Nick. <laughs> uh, that that tragedy i could have made sure that uh, that i was the person that was the first one that did the uh, the burnout but however i will still keep trying to uh, get the supra into my driveway even though i've been told no uh, <laughs> tyler thanks for joining us on our auto expert if you want to uh, go test drive the Supra or see more or find out more about it you can go to toyota.com of course they have them all there coming up we're going to talk a little bit about uh, ford versus ferrari plus the best deals of the year you're listening to the R Auto Expert podcast. All right, if you're looking for a car this year, before the end of the year is the best time to buy. Usually, the sales end about uh, January third or fourth. Every single car company has them going on. We're going to talk about some of those best sales. Uh, Jen, you're in the market for a new car, mm-hmm. and uh, you want a truck or an SUV.
2: Well, I'm partial to trucks.
1: Are you? So, you know, trucks are, uh, you can get up to around $12,000 off the hood of a truck. Mm-hmm. But you get a better, better deal on an SUV. They don't cost as much as trucks. Would you drive a half-ton truck?
2: I, d- I have a half-ton.
1: Well, they call them full-size now. So, uh, I've got Mid-size. Both. Would you like a mid-size? Mm. Yeah, you know, Ford Ranger, Jeep Gladiator style. Mm. Toyota Tacoma.
2: The Tacomas are nice.
1: You, are they too big? Are, are, no. the, are they too small? I mean, because you like the bigger vehicles.
2: I like the bigger vehicles. I like Well, the Ram 1500s. I like the Ram.
1: Traditionally, between uh, the end of the year, Buick do the best deals, around 25% off the MSRP, which means that a car that would be $40,000, 25%, $30,000. Uh, you can uh, get a lot of deals on these vehicles, but they tend to be vehicles that are probably going away. Uh, Everything Chevy is going to get a big discount, 20% off the list price of 2019 model years. Exempt, of course, the EV, uh, the Bolt. Um, There are certain vehicles that you can get better deals on than that. Uh, Hyundai do a good deal off the Sonata between now and the end of the year. Shoppers can save around $25 to $2,750 in cash discounts. On four out of five trim levels for the 2019 Hyundai Sonata, with the fifth, the highest trim level limited to about getting, which is a limited, getting about $3,000 off. Uh, There are some 9 to 12% uh, off of some of the financing this time of year uh, deals that you can get. 0% – that was the microphone you just hit. (laughs) 0% uh, financing, of course, is one of the things that get offered for – especially for uh, uh, leases – if you want to lease between now and the end of the year. Uh, since the 2020 redesign of the Sonata is just around the corner, I'll be driving it next week in Phoenix. Mm. Um, the, uh, the 2019 models are getting some good deals off. Tucson is about the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get about 2000 to 2750 off of a new Hyundai Tucson. Um, Kia Sorento. Uh, we talked about a little bit about the Jeep Compass. Uh, the Jeep Compass you can get up to $5,000 off.
2: Well, in the Nissan Titan, you can get 0% financing for 72 months. On the 19, right? On the 19. We, and
1: Because it's a new 2020. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Same with the, now get this.
1: Yeah, getting it. Are you? Yeah, go.
2: 1500 RAM. RAM. Uh-huh. They divided it up by where you a live. A RAM
1: 1500
2: Yeah, but they divided right. up their specials by where that you live. So if you're in the Northwest, you get $9,000 cash back.
1: What if you're in the Midwest? $5,000.
2: right. Not crazy,
1: that's not fair,
2: well, we like like you said, we drive more <laughs> trucks, I think up here. I don't know,
1: I don't know Chicago or my Chicago peeps like to drive trucks,
2: huh, but they'd be con well what that's are they the midwest, cons- they would five thousand off,
1: they' getting gypped. Yeah. Uh, it also depends. Local dealers can actually give you better deals too. Yeah, uh, local dealers often get their own incentives. So you should also check your local listings for details. Ooh,
2: the Jaguar iPace. Oh, yeah. Zero financing for 60 months. I'd have it. And me too. I like the iPace. Uh,
1: I get a, yeah, it's knocked quite a bit. Uh, now I put my money down on the uh, marquee, as you know, if you're a regular listener to this show.
2: It's all sold out. What is? The Machi. It is it. Yeah. I got two. I know you got the all the first editions are gone. That's uh, me. You know. Look at me. I read that the other night. I was like, oh, dick.
1: Big smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nissan Rogue Sport, twenty five hundred to thirty five hundred, depending on the region that you live in. a... 7 to 15% off depending on specifics. Alternatively, uh, sites where you can shop for 0% finance can help you out with the Rogue. 60 months plus $1,000. Uh, deals are expected to go until December 2nd for most of these vehicles. Uh, the 2020 model year is not always included in these, so make sure you know what year you're buying. If you want a 2020, uh, it's going to be harder to find a good deal. If you want a 2019, it's fairly easy to find a deal. Why are you frowning at me?
2: I'm not. I'm just, I've am just. i got that curiosity face on.
1: Um, oh, that's what it was.
2: <laughs> the Sonic and the Traverse is yeah. 20% off. Well, Sonics, isn't that? Yeah, gone? this is the last year for it.
1: Yeah, so they're just they're just making it. So, um, interesting, huh? There's a lot of really good deals, I'm telling you right now. Plus, uh, for the first time ever, the Jeep Wrangler diesel goes over the 6,000 pounds gross vehicle curb weight, which means it's eligible for 100% deduction if you own a business. Uh, under Section 179 of the tax law, there you if go. you buy a vehicle over six thousand pounds gross vehicle curb weight, you can get it deducted from your vehicle under an old agricultural ag- deducted from your tax under an old agricultural law. Why am I having so much problem with my words today?
2: You need more coffee.
1: Apparently, I do. <laughs> Our <laughs> auto expert coming up. We're going to talk to Mike Cadell about Ford versus Ferrari. Spoiler alert! You want to go and do something if you want to know. What I'm out of here. All right, bye. <laughs> You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Jen wants to leave. Jen wants to leave the studio. Yeah, because I want to take my dad to see this movie, and I don't want it. Really. You're mad at me now. Welcome to uh, welcome to Our Auto Expert. <laughs> Catch up with previous episodes of the show on our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows. You can see automotive videos and read insider car stories about uh, your next ride. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. The other half of Our Auto Expert joining us on the phone, Mike Cordell. You took your son, you waited a little while, but you took your son over Thanksgiving to see Ford versus Ferrari.
0: First off, can leave now. Just go. she's, Just she's gone. Mic, she's already out. Go. She's out.
1: She's out. She's like mad at me because she's why are we doing this? Because I want to take my dad and I don't want to ruin it. So So
0: I I did. Um, you know, you and I were in LA for the auto show and you know, they they were talking about the launch of the movie and a lot of girls had a chance board uh, hosted us, they had a chance to go and watch a movie over at fox studios and of course you and i were up at midnight to go to do live television so we didn't get a chance to to participate in it but i purposely didn't watch any trailers and um man i will tell you i waited to go watch it with my 12 year old son tyler and we loved i did not know it was going to be as amazing as it was
1: it was amazing the trailers really look good i haven't seen the movie yet the trailers really look good and I've heard that there's been lots of talk about what's true and what isn't true. I'm not reading those because I don't care because I want to remember the movie as what I want to remember it and not have all these people yep. you know, knock holes in it. Um, all right, so tell us, uh, did they do a good job of portraying um, automotive history?
0: They did. So so there's a couple different things. So there's two different movies. There's Ford vs. Ferrari, and then on Netflix there's a movie called or a documentary called Shelby American and i highly recommend watching that as well as watching the movie. So the movie was was pretty close on factual background of of what Carroll Shelby was all about. But one missing component to the whole movie was the omission of Peter Brock. So as many people know Peter Brock was responsible for the Daytona that was built and he was he wasn't in the movie. And so um he didn't and, and if he was, it would have been a background role. So you didn't see Peter Brock and the influence that he had on Carol Shelby and, and when Carol Shelby lost his chicken farm, you know, Carol turning and, and having his heart condition turning to the whole concept of of moving from a chicken farm to racing. And so Peter Brock was the one that helped him start his racing school and, and kind of move in that direction. And I think that was a, a component that was missed in the movie. We didn't we didn't see that, but the, the relationship between Carroll Shelby and Ford Motor Company. The movie should have been called Ford vs. Ford vs. It should have been called Shelby vs. Ford vs. Ferrari because there was obviously a battle between Carroll Shelby and Ford Motor Company and the fact that they didn't want Ken Miles to drive that car for them and race it was was part of uh, the, the heart-wrenching part of the movie.
1: Ah. Uh you know something, now I'm already sort of like worried about being too heart-wrenched before I go see it. But It has a, obviously an amazing ending. Well, it had
0: an amazing ending, but it was sad. So there was an amazing ending because, you know, here Ford Motor Company dumps millions of dollars into building out this incredible race car. They go over to, to take on Enzo Ferrari, they take on Enzo Ferrari, and they come out victorious. Now, Ken miles didn't win. He, he won the race. And he had the best lap time, set a bunch of different lap time records during the race. But Ford Motor Company said on that last lap, you need to be a team player, and you need to let all three Fords cross that finish line at the same time. And when they did that, Ken miles ended up losing, or coming in second place. So it was really kind of a bummer. Um, and, and it's funny, his name is your namesake, right? So he, he shows your surname, uh, and he was also British um as all, related, as
1: all the best miles are by the way
0: that's right well i'm telling you was the, the racing that he could do the way he commanded a car was exactly the way carol shelby um commanded a car and for us that didn't grow up with carol shelby as a as a prominent racer he was before my time he was incredible and that history um changes the way i think of carol shelby and shelby american like i look at it in a much, much different way.
1: I think one of the reasons that I'm all uh, excited about watching the movie is I was on a plane about six months ago and I watched the Ferrari movie. Have you seen the Ferrari
0: movie? I have.
1: That depressed me so much about how cutthroat Ferrari were. Like it, it, I, I'm sure they didn't authorize this because it, it was somewhat damaging to the company's reputation because they were so mercenary. You know, when drivers died in crashes, the first question they asked was, "How's the car?" Um, and that's
0: that, it's exactly true. Yeah,
1: that, that's depressing to me that uh, it was about the racing and about the car and not very little about the people. And I felt very much that Ford was a little bit more about the people. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be
0: a little bit of a what's the word that I'm looking for? It's not a shocker, but
1: when we're gonna, I'm just gonna
0: kind of break some news to you. You're gonna look at this movie the same way you looked at the Ferrari movie when you look at Ford Motor Company, and it, and it is a bummer because you and I know a lot of people at Ford Motor Company they're great people. Um, I I am a Ford fan. I've got you know we talked about my Bronco. I love Ford, but the the way Ford is positioned in this movie. Is that Ford is cutthroat too? It is a cutthroat business, and you know to, to pull let Ken Miles and 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 Carroll Shelby build a race car, and get it dialed in every day and every night. Miles is out there on the track figuring out how to drive this thing and get it better and better and better. And then literally the week before they leave to go overseas, they tell him he's not going. Right? Like you talk about a heartbreaker. That's a heartbreaker. And and I'll share this for your audience as well. One of the things that I really appreciated about this movie is that in, in the U.S. we think of Detroit as being Motor City, and it is. But when you think about Carroll Shelby, it's 100% California. And the California car culture was amazing in this movie. Willow Springs uh, is a racetrack. I grew, I grew up in my, and I say grow up, but 18 to 25 to, to 28. That was my home track, and that's right. you know, just north of Los Angeles. And there's so much history there, and the movie was filmed there. And there's just, you see these great scenes from, uh, you know, Santa Monica, and you see these just, it's just a really cool historical movie on what Shelby meant to the auto industry and racing.
1: I think that a lot of people don't realize, well, there's two reasons that California is not the center of car culture in the United States. One is that 80% of the people live on the other side of the of the country. And so having car culture in California, even though it's a real strong state to have car culture in, there's a very little point in, you know, manufacturing cars in California because then you have to ship them out to the rest of the country. It becomes expensive. It's much uh, more cost effective to have them manufactured somewhere like Ohio, uh, which is four hours you know from major cities and you can ship cars much cheaply Um, it does make sense for the Japanese brands to be in California because of course Japan is straight out the coast and straight sort of northwest Um, so you can go Northwest and, and eventually end up in Japan where a lot of the cars or Korea, a lot of cars are made and manufactured on that coast. But it's interesting that uh, there used to be big presence in California for people like Volvo and Land Rover and Mitsubishi and Nissan and they, they're all moving east slowly. Uh, Nissan of now, of course, in your hometown of Nashville. Um, Volvo and uh, Land Rover have gone to New Jersey. So all those companies that were sort of embedded in California have gone east. But it seems like California is still the creative hotbed for people like Shelby.
0: It's the creative hotbed. So if you're a hot rodder, if you're into aftermarket, even the Japanese, and we call them the, the JDM domestic market, um, they're, they're here on the California West Coast, you know, tuning vehicles, whether it's for drifting, uh, for hot rodding. I mean, that's what that's what Carroll Shelby did when he started his company in building cars. He brought all the best minds together to build, design, and create cars. And, you know, that Daytona that, that Peter Brock was responsible for was incredible. But it's also, and I'll share this, this kind of an interesting little, little fact behind Shelby, is that the Shelby Cobra, the 427, Uh, The big, you know, the big, you know, open cockpit coupe style, you know, super cool car. You know, you had two different versions. You had a Daytona, and then you had a 427. That that original model was based on an AC car, which was a British company, uh, as you know. And and AC was going out of business, and Carroll saw this incredible chassis to drop a big American motor into, and he went over there and wheeled and dealed and told, told the, the folks at AC cars, "Hey, I've got a great relationship with Ford Motor Company. They're giving us motors, which wasn't entirely true, but he was a great salesman and had those had three chassis sent over and ended up building what was to become uh, a powerhouse in, in the automotive aftermarket as far as uh, you know the relationship with Ford and building a cool race car.
1: I will tell you that, um, you know, Ford is still doing a lot of stuff that they did back in the 50s and 60s. But, of course, you see the influence on, you know, Shelby and the Mustang and all those sort of things appearing even in their new marquee, which is their electric vehicle. So some of those things live on in in newer cars that are arriving.
0: They do. Those those design cues and design themes live on. You know, what's also unique about the Ford vs. Ferrari movie is the prominence of Lee Iacocca. You know, Lee Iacocca is known for saving big brands and building big brands. And it, when he was, you know, first starting his relationship with Ford Motor Company, you know, he was a marketing guy. He was a marketing guy in the background and, and had failed miserably at marketing, uh, where sales for Ford Motor Company had dipped tremendously. And he was the one that, that stumbled on Carol Shelby and was following Ferrari and how they were having success with these cars. And Ford was in a slump. And so Iacocca said, look, we have to come out with a vehicle that's going to that's going to transcend the industry. And that's when they came out with a Ford Mustang that had a long hood, had a short uh, rear end to it. And it was something that was different in the market. It didn't have the power in it yet that it would soon have. But they were able to transcend the industry by bringing a vehicle. And it would then start to be in a position to compete against the
1: Corvette. And I think that, uh, you know, one of those things is that it's really maintained its position Uh, as one of the number one vehicles in in the world despite everybody trying to knock it down
0: 100 percent, and that's what makes the ford mustang as a brand and that's what that's what carol shelby wanted to do is he wanted to create a brand around shelby and ford wanted to create a brand around mustang and what happens when you take two really cool brands one built in racing and motorsports and the other one built in mass production of vehicles you end up with a vehicle like the ford mustang and i'm glad you brought up the new ford mustang Mach-E because we all scratched our heads in la two weeks ago for about 10 seconds and then after we scratched our head for 10 seconds and we saw the gt version come in i think we all went i get it i right. get it it makes sense and where can i buy one
1: right now totally agree uh did you put your deposit down on a first edition no, but I know somebody that did. Because <laughs> they're all gone now. <laughs> I might have one to sell you, though, if you want one. I know, you might. But I know. I'm going to have to, I think, probably waiting for about another nine months until mine arrives, but mine arrives. But I'll get a Mustang. That's what I've always wanted. So now a fully electric Mustang going to be in my driveway. Uh, Mike, yeah, it's going to be amazing. Mike, do you think that uh, people should invest their money and go see Ford versus Ferrari? 100%.
0: Absolutely. If you're into cars and you love the auto industry, you will learn so many things in that movie. My son and I sat there, and he learned things, and I learned things about Ford Motor Company and about Carroll Shelby that we just didn't know. I didn't know, and I mean, I've been in this industry for a long time. I just didn't know the deep, rich history of how it all came together. And I would I would recommend that if you do go watch Ford vs. Ferrari, then spin it around and go on Netflix and watch uh, Shelby American, because that... There's a lot of great organic pictures in there. There's a lot of great history in there. It ties in Peter Brock and pulls the whole thing together. Talks about Enzo Ferrari and the race program. And awesome. Jen, go do it. Go with your dad. Watch it. And I guarantee you will be happy. Smile from here to ear, with the exception of the end of the movie, which I won't
1: share. Mike Cudell. Read his stuff at OurAutoExpert.com and see his videos right there. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Locally created, now she's celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is America's car radio program. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. Joining us in the studio, John Vincent from U.S. News and World Report. Uh, U.S. News and World Report just came out with their new uh, news best vehicle brand award their best vehicle brands award uh do people shop by brands john or do they shop by models
4: both um a lot of people shop by brands because that's what their families have always gotten
1: so right. that's always the safe choice my dad told me never to buy fords because his dad didn't like them but of course <laughs> you know I'm, i like fords i like pretty much every car out there uh The brand thing, uh, do do you think it makes a difference by, you know, people looking at the brands overall? Or do they still, when they buy a Chevy, do they still look at a Chevy versus a 1500 Ram or a F-150?
4: I think they're focused on the kind of model they want. And the brand is, you know, they look at the brand as where they can find that model. All right. So if they're looking for an SUV, they might go to Mazda first. They might go to Kia first. They might go to Honda first.
1: When you made this list up, uh, what did you look as criteria?
4: So, US News is research-based with our reviews. And what we did is we took the top-ranking vehicles out of every brand and compared them to the top-ranking vehicles out of every other brand to see which brand had the highest level of top-ranking vehicles. And so when we say
1: top-ranking, is that that's what customers liked? or That's, Th-
4: that's w- based on our new car rankings and reviews.
1: Okay. And, and how is that gathered? How is that info gathered? Is it talking to people that buy the vehicles? Is it talking to people that test drove them?
4: At U.S. News, we use a consensus-based uh, review structure where we look at reviews from across the auto industry and to pull data out of them mix it with quantitative data on predicted reliability, safety, and a number of other factors, and come up with a ranking. So let's talk about who made the bottom of the list. We don't have the bottom of the list.
1: (laughs) Oh, come on.
4: We celebrate the good. Killing me here. We celebrate the good.
1: Killing me. All right. We know who
4: the bottom is, but it's not something we publish.
1: uh, All right. Uh, So how many places do you have?
4: So we have... um, the top. Best car brand, best SUV okay. brand, best truck brand. Do we
1: have runners up or just the best? We do not. We talk right. about the best. Well, let's talk about the the best truck brand then. The best truck brand is RAM. Okay, and why do you think that?
4: uh The RAM 1500 has been very well accepted by customers. It does some things that other trucks don't do. It has air suspension. It has by far the nicest cab in the industry. It's um, it's
1: it's. Doing very well in the marketplace. It also injected somewhat of fear into the competition because immediately that it started to win all the awards, the announcement from Chevy was, we're completely redoing our interiors. We know they suck. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And
4: And the new Silverado 1500, it's a good truck, but it didn't go far enough in what it needed to update. Right.
1: The interiors are often places you can save money because in years gone by, people have gone, well, they look at something shiny on the outside, especially in the 90s. The I mean, 90s was the worst year for this. You could get inside a Subaru in the 90s, you could get inside a Mazda in the 90s, and you go, wah, wah. it looked really good from the outside, but you got inside and it smelt bad plastic, and it was all sort of press molded and it was never finished right. There was bits of sort of wispy plastic coming off the dash.
4: Well, and in the truck market, the truck market has changed dramatically. It's no longer or somebody looking necessarily for a utilitarian vehicle, they're looking for an SUV with a bed. And and they're willing to pay $70,000.
1: And they take their family out to family events and they travel long hauls with the family as well. So kids are going to need USBs in the back and entertainment systems and the people in the back row are going to need to be comfortable, right? Yep. Uh, it's really turning into sort of the SUV uh, um, what the SUV has become as well, except without with an open bed I guess in the back exactly. uh, so Ram did did really well when we move over to the SUV character or the SUV list did they do as well?
4: SUV was a surprise this year right um, because Honda has dominated in the SUV category for years oh, okay and this year Kia took the uh, the award hmm. On the strength of the Telluride, the uh, refreshed okay. uh, Sorento, uh, the Sportage is doing well. Uh, we classify the Soul as an SUV, and the Soul does extremely well in our rankings.
1: Right. Let me um, – I talked to a lot of the jury who choose the North American uh, truck SUV or truck utility vehicle of the year. And a lot of those guys um, have the choice between the, the Telluride and the Palisade which is Hyundai's version of the Telluride. They are very similar vehicles in the underpinnings, but on the top they are uh, very different. However, the Telluride seems to be getting the core of the votes. I think you're right. I think if the Telluride doesn't win
4: the NaCToy Award this year, there's something wrong with the NaCToy Awards. Well,
1: there's another problem they face, which is that uh, for instance, you get to choose. You can't give all the votes to one person. It's sort of a voting point system. So you can give the maximum, I think you get 25 votes. You can The maximum is 13 or 15. You can give that to one, but then you have to divide the rest of the points between who else. So you've got the Aviator, the Palisade, and the Telluride. A lot of people think that the Palisade and the Telluride are going to split the votes, and uh, the Aviator is going to come from behind and win.
4: That is a possibility, and the Aviator is actually a very nice car.
1: They did a really, really great job, and the Corsair, which is sort of the smaller version of the Aviator, is just as good as well. I think Lincoln have really turned a corner. When we come back, we're going to find out from uh, John Vincent from U.S. News and World Report who wins the best car brand of the year. Plus, we're going to discuss a little more about some of those deals you may be getting ready to purchase, if you're getting ready to purchase between now and the end of the year, uh, what you should be looking for, some of those deals, and how you should be looking for them them. Uh, You've done a whole bunch of research on the deals too, John? We have. We're going to give you all of that sort of stuff coming up with those deals as well. Plus, uh, towards the end of the show, we're going to actually tell you what those deals are, as well as tell you how to shop for them uh, in the U.S. News and World Report coming up. So that's all coming up. Are we we oh we still got a minute to go. I thought we we were out of time. Okay, let's do the car now and then do the <laughs> well, deals. Let's afterwards. do the luxury now and then
4: Oh, luxury. luxury, luxury SUV. Luxury, luxury is easy. It's Porsche again.
1: Really? Yep. And and Lexus are chomping up their heels, but they haven't quite overtaken them. Right. It's, it's the one thing where Porsche seem to just get everything right every year.
4: And considering you know what our reviews are based off of, which is what reviewers like, reviewers love Porsche. And they're a little bit more split on Lexus.
1: And yet, Porsche are one of the hardest car companies ever to deal with. I don't think I've uh, test-driven a Porsche in the last, like, four years yeah. or so. so <laughs> they, they make my life very difficult to deal with, but that's because they're so popular. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the U.S. News and World Report best car brand for the year. Plus, some of those deals, if you're running out to go shopping, we'll tell you where you might find some good deals on new cars. Coming up on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. You've heard me talk about this before, and I've mentioned that um, I'm getting to the stage in my life where my parents probably need a little work. Um, They are not doing as well at things that they used to do really well at. And so I was really intrigued uh, when I got a book in the mail uh, about managing your aging parent and Dr. Druck is joining us on the phone to talk about uh, this book that he wrote, especially the segment on elderly drivers. So first of all, uh, doctor, what stimulated you to write a book about uh, raising an, 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 an older like member of the family, I guess? Well, Nick, first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh,
5: I love your show and I'm delighted to be a part of it today. What every season of my life has presented me with a whole new challenge and chapter. Uh, We have to summon newfound courage to deal with every single season of life. And I've written a book in every season of life. And in this season of life, I've been helping an aging mother. I've been taking care of her. I've been helping her make decisions. I've been her helpmate, supporter, advocate, taking her to doctor appointments, helping her downsize and move into a, a smaller home, et cetera, et cetera, all these Transitions that our parents go through with health, with where they live, with their finances, and one of those huge things, because my mother loved to drive, was making a transition to no longer driving because she felt she could not do that safely anymore.
1: Now, what if I I have the opposite problem? So just to give you a little background, my uh, my 96-year-old grandmother, when she lived in Seton in Devon, I went down there several times to have a chat with her about perhaps going into more of an assisted living situation. She had home health that came in uh, every day to sort of help her clean and that sort of thing. And she basically kicked me out of the house, if I I ever mentioned it. Uh, She has passed over the Rainbow Bridge, but my parents are now getting to the age where You know, occasionally my mom says, I think your dad may have fallen asleep at the traffic light this week. And that's a red flag for me. So how do you deal with it when the parents aren't willing to have a conversation?
5: Yeah, it's terrifying. And when you run into a wall of resistance, there are a couple of things you want to make sure you do. The first thing is to set a tone of compassion and understanding. You know, they're losing their independence, maybe their identity, status, mobility, freedom, you know, they're going through quite a change. So you being a compassionate listener, trying to understand, and then asking permission to have a conversation. Sometimes we just, we just, we blindside them because, of, mom, I got to talk to you about driving. Instead of blindsiding them, ask permission, mom, would it be okay and when would it be okay for us to have a conversation about your driving situation? Once you've gotten permission, then how do you lead? You lead with your own voice. Rather than putting them back up on their heels, getting them defensive, you want to say, listen, I'm concerned. I'm scared, Mom. You know, I love you, and I'm, I, I worry about your health, and I would never want you to be in a situation where you could hurt somebody else. But I'm concerned about your driving. And those are the first three steps of raising an aging parent who's resistive.
1: I think one of the things that's hard is uh, it's the first time for many of us to go through this. Uh, John Vincent is in the studio with us from U.S. News and World Report. Uh, John, you had this with your parents at one point in life, and you managed to find a loophole to get through to your mom, didn't you?
4: Yeah, Mom was great because mom realized that you know, her faculties were declining and realized that she was unsafe on the road to other people. And when she realized that she could hurt somebody else, that's when she decided that it's time to hang up the keys.
1: So, uh, Doctor, when you talk to a parent, you get permission, you don't blindside them, uh, you talk about this in a soft uh, approach, how do you tell them something that they already know?
5: Well, you you express your concern. You say, Mom, we've had, or Dad, we've had this conversation, or when I've tried to have this conversation with you in the past, it, it's not like you're interested. You really don't want to discuss it. Yet I need your help. You know the word "help" is the least utilized four-letter word in the English language. And often it's that request for help, much like John said. You know, it's it's saying, "Mom, I need your help," or "Dad, I need your help." I'm concerned. I'm concerned you might hurt somebody or hurt yourself. And then I think then we have to give them some options, alternatives, like. Would you, Mom, would you be willing to take a Lyft or an Uber with me just to see how it is? Because I'd like to help you start utilizing, you know, some of these services that are available to you or to call me and I could take you to that doctor's appointment. And I think then it always ends up best if we thank them for their consideration, you know, and and ideally that's what's going on. Now, if you're the parent who's listening to this and saying, you know, hey, nobody's going to tell me what to do, and, uh, you know, nobody's going to tell me when I'll decide that. Um, you know, I, I would suggest if you're the parent, soften up a little bit, lighten up a little bit. You're, who's, who can you trust more than, you know, your adult child? Often they are the person who has your back more than anybody who you can trust. And they're trying to tell you something that they're worried about, they're concerned, and maybe it's time to consider turning the page, just as you have with other things in life. Perhaps you're retired, perhaps you've moved out of the family home, which was too big to manage, and so on.
4: So what's the next step if they just, or if you're just a complete impasse and they won't listen to you about, you know, hanging up the keys, and they're insisting yeah. on driving even though they're in danger on the road?
5: Well, you know, My book is called Raising an Aging Parent, and I'm often asked, is it really like raising a child? And in some ways it is, because when our kids aren't making good decisions on their own behalf, when they're not using reason, when they're not being safe, what do we do? We exert executive privilege as their parents. We do take over and take responsibility because they're not going to make a good decision, and they're putting themselves and other people at risk. So I think that sometimes that tough love, you know, I have a whole chapter on tough love with an aging parent. Sometimes we need to invoke that tough love position. As as much as we hate conflict, as much as we avoid it, sometimes we need to face in, and that that's the kind of love that our parent really needs. Dad, I'm I'm not going to let you drive anymore. I am literally taking away the car keys, or I'm disabling your car because I I I can't reason with you. And I don't think you're making good and responsible decisions for yourself. Now, you may not be the best person to say that to your Dad. It might be their doctor. You go with them to a doctor. Or you call their doctor. It might be their lawyer or their, one of their friends, or it might be one of your, your brother or your sister that has a better line of communication with your parent that would be the best person to exert that tough love or that softer approach.
1: Do you – is this a one-time deal with them, or is this – how long does it take? So let's say you want to go over a space of time. Uh, Is this something, a conversation you need to start with uh, two or three months ahead of time and then slowly get a little more pressure?
5: Yeah, I think, you know, what we do, Nick, is we build – you know, it's almost like opening a line of credit. We open a line of communication by becoming great listeners and asking open-ended questions of our parents, all throughout as, as often as we can, so that they know that they can entrust us with even the most sensitive and difficult conversations, because they 've got a lot that they 're dealing with in their lives and and wouldn 't it be great to establish that line of credit or communication so that when the very tough decisions and situations arise, they already trust you you 're not coming in cold, and I think it does it, it, the more you can warm to that conversation. You can even say, you know, mom, I'm a little concerned about it. And and why don't we watch it over the next couple of months? You give it some thought and, and let's talk about it again in a month or two. And that way it's a, a progression.
1: All right. Let's uh, tell us again, uh, doctor, the name of the book, where we can find it and uh, and what it'll help us with.
5: The book is called Raising an Aging Parent. and uh, Uh, Guidelines for Families in the Second Half of Life. And it's available on Amazon. It's available if you go into your bookstore and order it there. Uh, And it's available if if you can't find it anywhere else, you contact me online at www.ken, dot com.
1: Excellent. excellent. Good information. Excellent, excellent I'm going to put some of this to use. I'll let you know how it turns out. Uh, my dad's quite a challenge, but we need to at least help him transition. Coming up, we're going to talk more about some of the best deals you can get in the last half of the year. I'm Nick Miles. This is Our Auto Expert. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. John Vincent, our guest on Our Auto Expert this week. We're talking about the best car brands, of course, uh, locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile or smart speaker. This is Our Auto Expert. So we've been through the top truck brand, uh, which was Ram. We've been through the top SUV brand, which was Kia. Uh, we've been through the top luxury brand, which was Porsche. As it is every year, uh, so we're left with the top car. Is that right? It is, and the and top for car for the
4: fifth year in a row, the top car brand is Mazda.
1: Really. So interestingly enough, that Mazda are struggling a little bit because they had a lot of European emission standards to to meet, and it cost them a lot of money. So even though they were, uh, the sales are up five percent, the company's struggling a little bit. And it's kind of one of those companies like Subaru, super popular, everybody likes their vehicles, but they're just so small they kind of reach the window all the time.
4: Exactly has always struggled in the American market, and it's not because they make bad cars. They make excellent cars, but they just can't break out and make people aware of what they do.
1: Uh, and they do spend a lot of time, uh, they, they, for many years they won the best fuel economy uh, for their whole fleet. I think Hyundai beat them a few years, so it's always sort of between Mazda and Hyundai who has the best fuel economy. But the interesting thing about Mazda is they've, they have the Active, which is a sort of culmination of systems to bring their fuel economy numbers uh, up. But they've never had a really electric or hybrid vehicles.
4: And they don't, and they're going to need to find something in the next few years in order to meet the mandates.
1: Now, we look at companies like Audi and Mercedes, uh, the Daimler parent company who announced this last week, that they'll be laying off around 10,000 workers each because they have to find money-saving ways to invest in electric. So we know if the big hammer swingers in the industry are doing that, the small guys like Subaru and Mazda are probably choking on the amount of money it's going to cost them to co-develop vehicles.
4: But in the meantime, Mazda does have a couple of very fuel-efficient vehicles with the Mazda 3 sedan and hatchback.
1: And they're doing well. They're doing well in sales. They always tend to uh, sell pretty much everything they could make. Now, with the end of the year approaching, John, some of the deals that you've come across at U.S. News & World Report... Uh, Tell me what sparked your interest.
4: So the deals this December are going to be spectacular. It's going to be the strongest sales month of the year, um, partially because there's a bigger inventory of remaining 2019s than we've ever seen of a previous year
1: model. And our sales have been fairly strong this year. We kept hearing that there would be a million cars down, but so far, pacing up to September, the last the, th- the three quarters that we've had, they've still we, like our sales are still on track to to meet what we did last year. And we may be short, but not as much as it initially was thought. And
4: right. November, you're going to see a sales bump because we've had five weekends in November, and that always brings a, a bigger bump. But those. 2019s are still there, and they got to get rid of them.
1: All right. So what are the deals that, uh, that you think that people should be running after?
4: Well, there's even with uh, interest rates bouncing around a little bit, there's still a ton of 0% cash out there. And 0% financing is a great way to save money on a car. Maybe not when you buy it, but over the term of the loan, you save thousands and thousands
1: of dollars. And then uh, some of the money off the hood, we know that uh, car companies operate in different ways. So for instance, Chevy will price their cars at full price. You can walk in the dealer and get up to ten, twelve thousand dollars 12000 off the hood of a brand new Silverado. That's just the way they work. Uh, but other car companies are offering sort of big discounts initially. Yeah, there are a few
4: ways that car companies do it. Some of them, the incentives are directly to dealer and you never actually see them as a shopper. Others are marketing straight to shoppers, Marketed straight to shoppers. Kia and Hyundai have some spectacular deals out there right now, both in cashback and in financing.
1: Yeah, even if you do take financing, I noticed on, I think, the Sorento, you can still get $1,000 cashback after the 0% financing, which I've never heard of cashback on 0%. That's uh, a big
4: one. Some of them are 0% plus three 000 or
1: $4,000. Uh, that's excellent. And I know that uh, Jeep also is offering up to $5,000 off the hood of some of their vehicles. The Wrangler has been such a, a big vehicle for them and the Gladiator this year that a lot of People sort of surpassed other things like the Compass and the Renegade to buy Wranglers because Wrangler was sort of getting so much attention with the diesel and with the Gladiator, the Wrangler truck, that uh, people forgot about the other brands. So now they're trying to push those.
4: And don't bypass the Wrangler and the uh, Gladiator for lease deals because the residuals are so high that they have some great lease deals out.
1: And I know that we also talked about that the Jeep Wrangler diesel now is the first vehicle to uh, qualify for Section 179, which is the uh, the agricultural tax, which means you can get, a, get it on your business. So the first Wrangler ever to do that because it goes up 400 pounds in weight, which pushes it over the gross vehicle curb weight, which allows it now to be an agricultural vehicle, which if you own a business, you can get. I mean, it's, that's it's one of the nice things. You just have to own a business. You don't have to own a farm. All right, John, deals end the first end couple of the days. year. Yeah. Just
4: watch the fine print. Um, on, on some Ford deals, It's a, the car has to be on the lot for 62 days. So All that right. really really the Check
1: the fine print, as John says, some U.S. news and world report coming up. Anton Warman going to talk about some of the shenanigans going on in the electric car market. This is Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up a previous episode of the show on our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear past shows, see our automotive videos and the Fox News and Fox Sports Show and read inside car stories about your next ride. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com because that's the place we like to go and uh, find out about new cars. Big layoffs at Audi and Mercedes. Anton Wallman, independent analyst and investor, joining us on the phone to talk about that. Uh, They say it's because of the electric car coming. Is that the truth Anton or is that a masked reason that they're laying off around ten thousand workers each
6: no that's actually correct so what's happening here is that both Audi and Daimler the parent company of Mercedes are not seeing a decline in revenue and they're not seeing a decline in units sold in fact both the units sold and revenue are going up if ever so slightly by about a percent or two on an annualized basis but what's happening is that their profit margins are collapsing. And the reason for that is that primarily in Europe, but also in some other geographies, such as in California and to a lesser extent in China, their governments are forcing them to sell an increasing mix of electric cars, which the consumers are not prepared to pay for because, of course, these cars cost more to be sold, and therefore the automakers have to subsidize them by thousands of dollars per car. And that is what is eating into their profit margins. They could, I guess, accomplish this goal essentially by uh, not doing anything, and then they could uh, get fined instead and or sell fewer cars. But they have proceeded on the path, at least here in the short term, of – of simply uh taking it on the chin in terms of their profit margins by about $3,000 per vehicle sold and that is causing both their share prices to suffer and for
1: layoffs to be happening. Now, unions are very strong in Germany so those layoffs probably like to come outside of their home territory.
6: Yeah, this is becoming the big issue as we enter 2020 because uh you know once as soon as people start linking these layoffs to the government policies that are causing them Uh, sparks are going to fly so we'll be talking about this a lot as as the next year rolls forward and uh, you you better believe it that this is going to cause a lot of uh, debate between the people who are advocating mandating selling more electric cars and those people who are men wanting to get people employed and their share prices from uh, keep them from falling falling
1: Now, Audi's still producing uh, more vehicles. Their first uh, electric car uh, comes into China.
6: That's right. So Audi first started producing, about a year ago, their first electric car in Europe, and now they started manufacturing a different model, which will not be exported to Europe or the United States In China, is really strictly for the domestic Chinese market. So uh, that is what's happening there. This has been in the works for many years, and it's finally come to pass. So we should see from the entire Volkswagen group, numerous all-electric vehicles come online here over the next year, year and a half. And this is merely the very first one.
1: And they're all all already, they're uh, they're boosting the range of their new e-tron
6: that's right so e here has been out for a year and in conjunction with launching the sort of the sport coupe uh version of this e-tron, which they call the Sportback, they're also improving the electric motor and the battery performance of the existing e-tron, and which will also be in effect in this new Sportback version, by about 15 miles. So uh, in the e-tron, they they achieved a somewhat disappointing range of 204 miles on the U.S. EPA test cycles, and uh, now that looks like it's going to be improved by as much as about 15 miles. So look, uh, look for a new rating there that could approach about 219 miles of range. And of course, the Sportback has some better aerodynamics, weighs a handful of pounds less. So maybe that one could reach 220 or 225 miles of range as it gets certified here in the U.S. in the next uh, handful of months.
1: Still more expensive and less miles than the Ford marquee, though.
6: That is correct. So Ford has, uh, of course, introduced a product which does not hit Uh, dealerships until the fourth quarter of next year, although you can put a deposit on one right now. One of the differences between uh, Ford and Audi is that you can order the Ford only with the rear-wheel drive, if you are so inclined. And that is one of the reasons, but not the only reason, that uh, Ford can achieve a longer range. The range of the Ford will be at least 300 miles in, in the version with the largest battery and with a rear-wheel drive only. But either way, it is better than the Audi. And one of the other reasons for that, of course, is that the Ford is likely to weigh a lot less than the Audi. They have simply built a lighter car.
1: Um, I also noticed that uh, the first edition, which I might have a $500 deposit on, is now sold out of the marquee.
6: That's right. No, be, um, they started taking deposits on these uh, a little over a week ago, and uh, the first edition, which is, uh, you can have it a special color, and it comes essentially fully loaded, uh, a handful of thousand units will be made there, and starting in August of next year, and People will take delivery of them probably by the end of October next year. Uh, They are sold out. So uh, you can order all of the other versions, however, and take delivery probably closer to late November or December of uh, next year.
1: Now, I do note something that's kind of interesting here, and that is that uh, Ford have uh, said in their fine print that you can't sell your reservation. Uh, they say that you have, to, you have to stick to that reservation. Uh, d- once you own the car, once they sign it over to you, uh, does that prevent you selling it, though? Can you sell it to the first person that walks in, in and offers you cash?
6: You can certainly do that. Uh, this is not like the Ford GT or anything where there was a very special arrangement. No, this is just a, a way, which is pretty normal actually. By most companies that take deposits, they they don't want to get into the business of being in, in, the, in, the, in the kind of the gambling business of um, of people trading these reservations per se. So uh, you you can take a reservation. You can take delivery if you are so inclined or get your money back up until the moment of delivery if you're so inclined. But uh, basically, to resell the actual vehicle, uh, that will have to happen uh, after the moment that you take delivery.
1: Now, do we know how many that they have uh, taken orders for? Because they haven't. Uh, I haven't seen any numbers announced. We did see that Elon Musk announced that he had taken reservations for just $100 down on the uh, truck, 250000 But Ford gave random numbers, which seems to be the way that they do it now with reservations. So when you got your reservation, I, I bought two. I got the, the first edition and the GT, and the numbers were wildly different, uh, going down towards zero. Uh, so do we know how many that they may have taken reservations for? Are they still keeping that under wraps? They're still
6: keeping that under wraps. There have been some intelligent guesses, but frankly, all of these reservations, since they're fully refundable, should all be taken with a grain of salt. Tesla in the beginning for the Model 3 took 450,000 reservations, and to this date, they haven't delivered uh, that many of them. And of course, the backlog was filled uh, about a year ago, so uh, just over a year ago, basically by about September of last year. So, uh, And they hadn't even reached close to 200,000 at that point. Therefore, um, you can clearly see that there are a lot of people that had a deposit on these vehicles that uh, are essentially electing to uh, to just get their money refunded but they're of course replaced by new people who are starting to buy the car once you can see them out and about and they can see it in the flesh and uh, maybe a friend or a friend of a friend have taken delivery of them so uh, this is not as easy as it uh, sounds initially with these deposits and they're completely fully refundable they all mean whether it's tesla or ford or any of these other makers they mean a lot less than people think at first glance how
4: much room does ford have left on the EV capital
1: Oh, sorry,
4: say that again, ah, John. How much room does Ford have left on the EV tax credit lid?
6: Well, so Ford has been delivering a variety of plug-in vehicles, the Fusion, the C-Max, and then the uh, Focus EV. I think they were up to something on the order of 115,000 of them as of uh, about a quarter ago. And then now, of course, they're starting to deliver plug-in versions, plug-in hybrid versions of the... Um, uh, Lincoln Aviator uh, and uh also the Ford of uh, uh what's it called again the Escape uh in starting in the spring here so there are other models that will start to eat into uh in in into the number but keep in mind that 200,000 is only the point at which uh point that uh, the um the phase down period begins in the several quarters following the 200,000 number having been met. Uh, they can actually deliver an unlimited number eligible for the EV, federal EV tax credit in the U.S. So, 200,000 basically is the moment when the automaker wants to be fully primed to deliver an insane number of them in the handful of quarters that follow that because they will all be eligible. So there is no absolute number that is the limit here. There's really just a, a 200,000 is the point when the clock starts ticking for the phase down. But the phase down could be more important than the first 200,000 units.
1: All right, let's let's uh, let's talk about uh, other uh, vehicles coming. The electric ch- pickup truck from General Motors is now got a schedule of December 2021. That seems an awful yes. long
6: way away that it is but uh, you have seen now if anything from rivian to bollinger to tesla and ford um have basically put their foot down and will be in the market roughly by that time period rivian might be, be there a hair earlier as will the the tiny little company bollinger if they get off the ground uh but uh both tesla and ford have said fourth quarter 2021 And now GM comes in and lo and behold says exactly the same thing, fourth quarter of 2021. So GM, Ford and Tesla, which you have to uh, kind of consider to be the larger players in terms of who has the potential for this market right now, they they will hit the market amazingly at the exact same moment in time. So this will be rather epic if we fast forward here uh, uh, 24 months from this uh, glorious moment in time.
1: All right, so uh, let's talk about the one subject that still seems to be um, a premium subject for everybody who likes electric vehicles, Ford versus Tesla, the big towing battle. Do we care? Is it really going to happen? Is it apples to apples, or is it all just Elon Musk shenanigans?
6: No, I think Ford made a very weird mistake here. They had some executive come out on Twitter challenging uh, Tesla to uh, some species of fair fight uh, un- under some better circumstance. And uh, and uh, Elon Musk basically on behalf of Tesla said, fine, bring it on. Uh, uh, more or less, you tell the place and time and we'll be there. And Ford basically blinked. I mean, this is... Uh, pretty ridiculous as far as i'm concerned i mean look for ford either you know you can't joke about these things because you know we know that tesla says a lot of things that from time to time seem to be not so serious but in this case i mean ford cannot be serious here right when they when they withdraw from having said something that seemed so serious anyway now they tell us that it was just a joke so i'm a bit disappointed to be honest
1: we don't really know that much about the tesla truck though do we he gave elon gave a bunch of figures he gave the lowest price but uh just looking at the truck i know it doesn't meet pedestrian safety standards so a lot has to change right
6: well, there's so many things that have to change. Your mind gets dizzy just knowing where to begin. But I think the most important part is just the price. The cost to manufacture this thing with the size of battery that will be necessary to give the amount of range uh, for the different versions that they promised in their presentation will imply a cost that is far higher than the price that they gave, you know, forty thousand, fifty thousand, and seventy thousand, respectively, for the three versions. You cannot possibly make a truck uh, profitable at those price levels with a kind of battery that will be necessary to reach two hundred and fifty. 300 and 500 miles respectively for those three prices that just simply isn't going to happen so he's essentially going out there and trying to sell a dollar for 50 cents which is of course no surprise then that a lot of people are going to be willing to put a hundred dollar deposit on the product in question
1: anton walman independent analyst and investor you can uh, read his stuff at seeking alpha and also at the street and john vincent thank you for being here from us news and world report jen and you can listen to all previous episodes of the show at our RAutoExpert.com. We'll see you again next week. Until then, just try and drive safely, will ya? You? You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles.
0: Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at our auto Expert, And message us for a quick and witty response.